Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Judy Como. So excited to be with you on the show this morning. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day in Bryan College Station. Reunited with Thaddeus, our station manager, for a show in a while that we've been together. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing? Judy Como. Good morning, Brazos Valley. Good, good, good. Central and Texas and Palestine, Texas. My goodness our gracious. Our job just keeps getting a little more complicated to add another station of listeners this morning. So we welcome our listeners in Palestine on station K-I-N-F. Dennis, you're able to be here rather than calling yes, in. thanks How be to God. This I, I am here. We are fully licensed in Palestine, Texas. It's Praise the, God. Uh, the third Red Sea Catholic radio station. They are our newest affiliate. So thanks be to God. Let's hear it. For Palestine, yeah. So we're very happy. Uh, This is your very first ever Red Sea Roundup show, and so we're thrilled to have you on board. Uh, As of essentially, we got our license the day before the Feast of Fatima, and so um, yeah, I I would say that's our first ever on air date is officially on the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. So wonderful, very exciting. We. Continue to welcome our listeners in Waco at KYAR. Yes, indeed. We're going strong, and, and um, it's exciting because God's got a couple other areas he's starting to put right in front of our path. So, yeah. Yeah. Do tell. <laughs> Do tell. Uh, we, we are praying for a station in Copper's Cove and possibly one out toward East Texas and Tyler. So, um, you know, it's it's coming. It's coming, just like we've been seeing it for a, a little while now. So, with that, we are very excited that we have lots of new listeners, and we're also praying for, for new donors because uh, with expanded operations comes a little bit of expansion in our costs. Uh, specifically in Central Texas, we're looking to uh, help pay for that tower and, and for the rent and for everything that we have to operate there. So if you are listening to this radio station uh, and you know that it's touched your life, uh, it's quite a few people we've heard that it's touched their lives. In, in a great way, uh, we ask for you to seriously consider becoming a monthly donor of any amount. We're looking for monthly members. So we want to keep that station floating and on the air, and we want to keep things floating in all our network stations as well. So, Palestine, you're you're not out of the boat. If you want to help support the station, go to redcradio.org. It's R-E-D-C-R-A-D-I-O.org, and click on the Donate button, and you can do a monthly donation ongoing of any amount. And we are, we're actually uh, in financial need right now. I, I don't like saying that a lot, but you know, God calls us to ask those that are listening, those that have been touched to know how it's touched their lives and to help it touch the lives of others by giving. So if you've given one time anywhere uh, in, in any of our areas, or if you've given none, we ask you to seriously consider a, a monthly gift. If you're giving currently monthly, if you can raise that by a few dollars, Every little bit helps because we're about a $7,000 monthly deficit in our operating budget. And we go forward on faith with uh, a limited staff, and we're going forward and, and doing the best that we can to serve each of those areas. Stephanie Lee's doing a great job in the Central Texas. Thaddeus Romanski's doing a great job here. Palestine, we're going to serve you just the same way we serve those other two areas. So we're very excited to serve the church and everything uh, in those communities. And uh, their mission is our mission, is to spread the, the wonderful faith of our, our one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Yes, it is very, very exciting. Um, and 
sometimes we just need the reminder and the 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 little push to right uh, bump up if, what we're already doing we, or, uh, or if, consider donating for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. It, if if we don't tell you there's a need, you won't know. Yeah. And so uh, we're coming to you now to tell you there is a need. We have about a seven thousand dollar monthly. Uh, deficit that we need to make up as soon as we possibly can, so we can stay on the air and and uh, keep praising God and doing doing all the things that are needed. So, thanks be to God, we are in Palestine, we are in Waco, and we remain here in Bryan College Station. And keep us in your prayers. All points in between. Yeah, you can listen to Red Sea on Highway Six for a long, long time now. Yeah, indeed. You can go from uh, south of College Station all the way up to Hillsboro. So it's pretty exciting. Very and then exciting. in Palestine, it's a low-power regional station. You can hear uh, certainly within the loop of Palestine. And we uh, look for them. And if you're going through that area, turn it to 107.9. It's as far north as you can get on the dial. 107.9 FM. And that's what we're uh, broadcasting on in Palestine. So thanks be to God. Amen. Awesome. Um, this show today, uh, those of you who are listening in the Bryan College Station area, the name Terry Lipscomb will be very familiar to you, but we have a wonderful show planned, uh, a show about faith and family and trust and challenges, um, but um, we also have a call from Sarah Adams this morning. Sarah, are you there? I am. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I asked Sarah to call in so we could talk a little bit about Project Matthew. Uh, Sarah was a guest um, maybe six months ago or so. I don't really remember, Mm -hmm. but uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday was my first opportunity to um, deliver a meal to a family with a newborn. And I just wanted to talk with you and reintroduce what Project Matthew is, and uh, I'll kind of tell you about my experience. Uh, awesome. Um, so you want me to tell a little bit about Project Matthew? Sure, now? yeah. Okay, um, so yeah, so Project Matthew is a ministry that has been, um, it feels like a very long time in coming, um, that we have been working on getting started for about a year now, um, and we um, coordinate volunteers to provide meals to families um, with newborn babies that wouldn't maybe otherwise get meals. Families who aren't very well plugged into the community or, you know, might be um, new in this area or, you know, also um, families that might be um, a little bit more materially poor um, where they, you know, just don't, don't have those good connections. And so, you know, they might not otherwise get that kind of support. And so we, um, coordinate volunteers who have committed to provide meals for those families um, to try to get those families um, some that kind of support um, while they're adjusting to having a newborn baby. Awesome. Well, yesterday, as I said, was my first uh, opportunity to deliver a meal uh, to the Harmon, Harmon family. And yep. um, <clears throat> it was just a wonderful um, experience to meet this young father uh, they have a six-week-old now uh, and two mm-hmm. other children in the home. And uh, so we met, and it was just uh, such a joyful experience for me to just meet him. And uh, my children are grown. As a matter of fact, my baby girl, Marion, graduated from high school on Friday. Uh-huh. And yep. uh, 
with the help of your husband as a theology teacher, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but for us to be able to just chit chat and we were, you know, transporting the food from my truck to his and mm-hmm. I asked him, you know, well, how's it going as a parent, you know, this introduction of this, you know, new entity into your family. And we talked a little bit and he said, um, you know, I didn't, my wife and I did not grow up with a spiritual experience, no church. And certainly her parents, his parents did not have an outreach such as Project Matthew. And he said, we Mm -hmm. have just been so blown away by this experience. And uh, we hope to get involved as time allows uh, as their kids grow older. But so the impact was um, exponential, not only just providing um, for a, a meal for the day, but I think that, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what our Christian walk is all about, uh, connecting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, and as, I think that one of the things, like, and you mentioned this, um, but I, I'd like to reiterate, um, which I think is such a beautiful testament to the ministry, is that, you know, the mom got in touch with me and said, you know, once she feels like she's able, once she's kind of got her feet underneath her, like she's interested in volunteering with us. Um, which I think, you know, just like speaks so beautifully to like that this is a ministry like that we met a real need for their family, you know, that this was like that they weren't getting support from other um, avenues and that they, you know, that this was something that really helped them. And, and she feels so like strongly enough about that, that she wants to help, you know, provide that for other moms in the area, um, which I think is just, you know, beautiful. And like, I, I can't think of a better testament to like, yeah, the effectiveness and the, the really, I keep using the word, but just the beauty of our ministry and how we really were able to like meet this family and yeah, provide that witness of Christ's love for them. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, as <clears throat> when you were on in September and uh, talking about uh, what, what the ministry needed to get this ball rolling. And I think you needed mm-hmm. uh, 12 volunteers before you would even accept. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we did get that 12 volunteers to move forward with the ministry, but um, could you tell us a little bit about how the ministry has grown and your needs within Project Matthew? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, as for growing, um, you know, we um, were very blessed in that um, Hope Pregnancy Center and College Station um, invited me to come and speak to one of their classes and, you know, promote Project Matthew and you know, tell their families about us. Um, and, you know, out of that, we have seven families that are interested in um, receiving meals. Um, though, as, um, you know, a lot of us have experience with, um, babies tend to kind of seem and come in bunches. <laughs> and so we have um, three families um, in like June and July, like mid-June, early July. So really basically three families that overlap. Um, and then we have another three coming up in September. So we've got these like bunches and we do not have the volunteers to do three months worth of meals for three families. We just, there's just, it, it would be stretching our volunteers way too thin. Um, and so, you know, what we need right now more than anything um, is more volunteers. Right. And more people I, that I are could, willing to. Yeah. I want to just uh, speak a little bit to what that you know, we're not asking you to sign a blank check here. So we want to talk a little uh-huh. bit about what that volunteerism could look mm-hmm. like. Um, as I mentioned, Terry Lipscomb is going to be on the show uh, in a few minutes. Uh, she and I have uh, 
when we heard about the ministry, decided um, we wanted to volunteer and be present to each other to help go and deliver these meals when needed. Uh, so talk about what a volunteer would actually be uh, committing to. Okay. I mean, and also just a little bit too, like, so in order to volunteer, we have um, two um, online forms that you have to fill out. Um, the first one is just some basic information so that we can, you know, um, make sure that you have a background check and that we can mail you um, a name badge. And then the second form is our confidentiality policies and training document. You do have to read those and then electronically sign and submit another Google form. And then after that, um, you're in our database. And the way that it works is that when we have a need, a family that's interested in receiving meals, um, a, uh, an email with a care calendar. So that's just an electronic calendar where you can click on a date where there is um, you know, a need, a meal that, they, that somebody would like to receive. And you can sign up for whatever date works for your schedule. Um, and, you know, it's like I said, that we've got um, three families in the June, July region. So, you know, if theoretically we were to take all three of them on, that would be three calendars that need meals filled. Um, but, um, you know, no volunteer is committing to signing up every time there is. A, yeah, it's um, completely a on your, um, yes. your ability to provide a meal within that calendar. And, yes. um so you go to the care calendar and you click on it and look over what uh, dates are needed to fill in. Okay, Thursday mm-hmm. looks good for me. Click on that. <clears throat> exactly. Me, and then, a- and we also have been very blessed that you know <sighs> that we um, St. Thomas Aquinas um, allowed us to have cards on their um, giving tree this past Christmas, and we received, you know tons of meal, um, restaurant gift cards, you know, so that, so that if there's a day that we just like that nobody is able to sign up for that we do have, you know, the ability to, you know, run out and, you know, get a, get a pizza or get some sandwiches and that kind of, you know, so that we've got a little bit of, um, cushion too, you know, if, you know, like, so like, you know, if you look over a calendar and there's only one date that's available and no one signed up for it, but it just doesn't work for you, you know, like that you don't need to feel compelled to sign up for a date that just doesn't work for you. Because we do have, you know, by the grace of God and the generosity of um, the people in this area, some cushion to be able to cover those dates when other people are not able to make a meal and get it out there. Great. Well, it sounds like it's time for you to come back on Red Sea Roundup so we can uh, speak a little <laughs> bit more in detail. Um, I was, uh, as we get ready to go to a break, uh, just wanted you to share a little bit about your uh, support of our family retreat in January and how uh, you and your husband talked about a family that serves and how this can be incorporated into your family uh, experience along okay, with serving yeah. on Project Matthew. For sure. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, so we, we participated in the Family That Serves, which kind of a quick plug for that was awesome. <laughs> An amazing experience. We really enjoyed it. We definitely plan to do it again next year. Um, and, um, but, yeah, and so, um, our you know, my, my husband and I did present on the topic of the Family That Serves, and um, I participate in a group that's called Familia, and we have been um, studying um, the document by St. Pope John Paul II, um, Familiaris Consortio. And there's part of it where towards the end, he talks in the document about how we as families are called 
um, like we have an apostolate as a family to serve other families. And so, yes, of course, like we always have to serve our family first. And there are going to be, you know, seasons where you are just not in a situation where you can reach out, you know, that you are kind of using all of your resources to take care of your own family. And that's completely appropriate. And like, it's, you know, it's, it's going to happen. And those are the times when other families should be reaching out to serve you. But when you are in a situation where you um, are, you know, kind of doing well and you've got your feet under you and got a little bit of energy, a little bit of extra time, um, that, you know, we are called as families to reach out and minister to other families. And I think that Project Matthew is a really beautiful opportunity to do that. Um, you, know, you have a chance to really meet a need and support a young family um, that is not getting support in another from another way. And also, you know, it's it's not very time consuming, especially if you're only doing, you know, one meal a month or one meal every two months, like that's once or twice, like once a month or once every two months where you're just, you know, making twice as much dinner and spending the time to take it out to another family that needs it. Um, so, you know, I think that it's a really beautiful opportunity and a very like workable opportunity um, to reach out to um, families in this area that really do um, need it and appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, so that would be kind of my, I guess, closing thought. Yeah, on that. great. And uh, Terry's going to lend us a few thoughts to towards that. Hey, Good Terry. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I just wanted to reiterate my experience with Project Matthew already. Um, I was also able to go out to the same family that um, Judy's speaking of and come to find out we happen to know each other and they live out close to my house. So I'm really looking forward to visiting with her again. And Mm -hmm. I got to meet the mom also and see those cute little boys running around in the yard. And it just brought Uh back so many of my own memories when uh, we came to town and how many people reached out and brought uh, meals to us. And Mm -hmm. she said, I know you've got so much going on. How do you have time for doing this? And I said, so many people have done this for me. I can't imagine not doing it for others. And she said, you know, it never occurred to me to do this before. And she was very, very grateful for the time mm-hmm. that we're, we're doing this for her. And um, also, I'm really adamant about making a home-cooked meal for these families. <laughs> but uh, the last family that I brought a meal to before this one, it just wasn't going to work out. And so I did mm-hmm. look on, the, on your chart and see what they what their preferences were and I did buy it my own gift card and brought it so oh, if you're uh-huh. feeling pressure that oh I'm just not gonna mm-hmm. get to cook that week you can also buy a gift card so and not Indeed. to deplete what you have but um that's also and right. then they get to choose what they want so right I was yeah. at St. Anthony's yesterday as I was gathering my meal and I I saw a gallon of uh orange juice and I just thought you know so I went and added a few things to the meal, some little, I knew they had little kids, so I got some uh-huh. individual packs of cookies that they could use, and uh-huh. uh, I mean, what family couldn't use that to say, just, can you imagine if a gallon of uh, orange juice appeared in your icebox? My, my family would think it was Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, um, thank you so much for calling in this thank morning. You. If you would like to mention a way that our listeners could contact you. Uh, that'd For be sure. Good. Um, yeah. So, um, our primary mode of contact with our volunteers um, and recipient families is our Gmail, which is all one word: Project Matthew BCS at gmail dot com. 
And you can also look us up on Facebook and that like there's a link to, to email us from there. Um, and so if you like to, if you search on Facebook for Project Matthew BCS, um, it'll pull up our Facebook page. So. Sounds great. And any listener could uh, easily call in to our local number, 855-683-7332. And uh, we can hook you up with some great information about Project Matthew. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. And um, have a great day. You too. God bless bless. you. And as we go to a break, I remind our listeners that uh, when we come back, my guest is Terry Lipscomb, and we're going to talk about all things Lipscomb. Sea Roundup. Welcome and friends listening here in Bryan and College Station, friends listening in Waco, and friends listening in Palestine. I'd like to introduce you to my dear friend Terry Lipscomb. As her uh, sign off on her email states, she is wife to David, mother of 10 plus 2. And that's an exponential number because she's a mother to so many people. And Nana to nine. Uh, this is a bit of a reunion on the air for you and I. Um, our predecessor, Megan Silas, uh, gave me some very good advice to my first Red Sea Roundup to invite someone that you know well and talk about something that you know well. And uh, I was remembering that I. I met you about 19 years ago at St. Anthony's uh, with a pan of crawfish etouffee in between us at a family function, um, and that was my first introduction to to meeting you, and my, what a plan our Lord has had for us to share. Um, Today, Terry is here to talk about many, many things, but... We're going to discuss the miracle of one of her children, Gage, and uh, his life and experience with an upcoming uh, kidney transplant. So uh, somehow, somewhere, Terry, (laughs) jump in here and let's get this ball rolling of what we're going to talk about today. Well, good morning, and thank you for such a sweet introduction. And I totally agree. God had such a plan for us, such a plan. And I'm loving every minute of it. I'm looking forward to next weekend as yeah. we go camping. For well, Memorial our life has been so busy over the last couple of months. We had to schedule an on-air conversation <laughs> so, so we could, we could visit. actually visit with each other. So. Right. Well, um, as Judy said, um, my son Gage, he's 14. He's number nine, our sixth son. We have seven sons. Oh, I lied. <laughs> Gage is our seventh son. Gosh. And we have three daughters. Gage um, was diagnosed with chronic renal insufficiency when he was two and a half. He started running a chronic fever um, in October of 2004, which ran through April. And every time he was on medication, we didn't know what was wrong, and they would treat it, and his fever would go away. 
Well, in April, Gage started running um, such strange fevers and sleeping habits that we were seeing this um, a PA actually at the university. What do you call the physician with Dr. I, Matthews? I'm a Scott and White girl. I don't know. Dr. Matthews. <laughs> I can't think of it. Pediatric. University, university pediatric, pediatric. Right. Yes. And he had me start um, keeping a log of Gage sleeping and eating and, and temperature. Well, his temperature would plummet to 94 degrees. And then within 30 minutes, it was 104. Well, I was pregnant with our number 10 child. And um, that night we went to bed and I decided to uh, be prepared to go to the doctor early in the morning, you know, wash your hair, iron your clothes, <laughs> when we used to iron our clothes. Not this week. <laughs> oh, well, I used to iron my clothes. And um, we went to the doctor and through a bunch of tests figured out that Gage had a uh, severe UTI. Well, to back up just a little bit to make this part of our community talk, um, in January, my husband had, 2005 was a really rough year for us, David had gallbladder surgery that turned into a six-week, three-hospital, two-surgery ordeal, and um, I needed some help with uh, my children who were going to St. Joseph's School at the time, and I had received this phone call back in December, this family that wanted to move to the area, and they were asking me about our school and our church and um, wanted to know what we were doing and where we were and just kind of started visiting on the phone, had never laid eyes on, on this family. And after the Christmas break, I was the first day back at school, I had heard that they had moved to town, and um, I saw this different woman who I hadn't seen before in the drop-off line, and I thought to myself, that must be her. Well, this beautiful woman that God brought into my life, his name was Debbie Starnes. And the miraculous part of the whole thing was she did not know where we lived geographically. Mm -hmm. They bought a home two streets down from me. And she became the sister in my life that I needed at the time to help get my children to school um, during David's um, illness. I did not know I was pregnant then. I was feeling very sick and not really know what was going on. But when we went to the hospital with Gage after he um, became so ill, Debbie was helping me with the children at home. And um, we went to Texas Children's. Uh, we were like, David, I don't know how to make this shorter because <laughs> we don't have two hours. Um, <laughs> we were, we had it. We went to a Brian Radiology, and they did a sonogram and saw that Gage was very, very sick. We did not know what was wrong with Gage. That night, my husband was going to Lubbock on a band trip with our son Grant, and the doctor said, you know, he'll, you just go on and go, and we're going to put him in the hospital here in town, and we're going to kind of get him cleaned up. He has a really bad urinary tract infection, and um, on Monday, we'll probably take talk, talk about going to Texas Children's. Well, later that evening, after they started running tests, they found out that Gage was chronically sick, um, very, very critical. So they life-flighted us to Texas Children's that night. And David, as soon as he got to Lubbock, Dr. Anna Damien put him back in her car and drove him back to Bryan. He met us at Texas Children's. Well, the interesting thing, um, I would never be up during the night. I am not a good nighttime mommy. But that night... I was sitting in ICU in a straight chair, as Texas Children is not parent-friendly at all, in ICU. 
And watching TV happened to be the funeral of St. Pope John Paul, known as John Paul II. And I watched hours of people just venerating his body. And I was just so moved by that and thinking, wow, I would never be seeing this any other way. We were in the hospital a couple of weeks. And um, when we got home, my friend Debbie Storns and her family brought us about a 10-inch porcelain image of Pope John Paul II. And we started asking for his intercession and teaching Gage that when someone dies, they become a friend of Jesus. And we were going to ask Pope John Paul to ask Jesus to make him well. Well, Gage's prognosis was not good at all for being able to save his bladder. If I could just add a little sidebar. Meanwhile, back in Bryan, friends of your family uh, coordinated meals. The community came together to help take care of your family here. And um, I think that I know that I brought a couple of meals at that time, but I really didn't know you that well. Well, so, Debbie Storns also took this on herself, yes. and her not knowing anyone from here was a great way that God introduced her to some wonderful, wonderful Absolutely. people. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I have the list that she wrote, and uh, she spelt phonetically Judy Como. It was really funny. <laughs> All the names that she didn't know back then, she ended up spelling phonetically. It's a sweet, funny. I, I need to show that back to her yeah. again. But so while this, the community was just rallied together, and they... Um, Debbie started driving my 15-passenger van and picking up my kids and her kids, and uh, we were actually gone for two weeks at that one particular time. But while we were there, Gage, um, we de- they determined that Gage's ureters were too short. They had a level five reflux, which meant that the um, ur- ur- urine was going back and forth that was causing these urinary tract infections. But the doctor didn't think that Gage's bladder was um, well enough for a reimplantation, and they ended up putting a nephrostomy in his back to let his bladder rest and to see if we would be able to, if he would ever be able to go normally. And at that point, um, I had just so grateful that Gage was alive and that I could deal with this nephrostomy bag the rest of my life. I was totally okay with that. But my husband wasn't, so we planned a surgery. The doctor, against his, his, he thought it wasn't a good idea. We, David, insisted, and we planned a surgery for Gage in May. Well, the night before surgery, we took this cute little porcelain doll, and we were praying as a family, and uh, we had some holy water, and we were praying with Gage. And I just have the most beautiful memory of him wanting to give his friend, John Paul, a drink. A drink from this holy water little lit little lid and so I actually went and got my video and I have it on video of him um, putting this little cap to St. John's to give him a drink to give him yes. a drink and um, I think uh, is that when he start calling him Pope 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 Pope, Pope, Pope Paul John. Pope Pope Paul Pope, yeah. Pope Pope Paul and at two and a half gauge was very verbal we go to the surgery the next day and um, we keep talking about him being our friend. Gage woke up from surgery, and the very first words to David and I were, Pope, Pope Paul made me better. And David and I just believed without a shadow of a doubt that he was visited because we came later to know that it was May 18th, and it was Pope John Paul's birthday. Birthday which I did not know at the time. And it was just such confirmation to us. It was such a special day. 
Well, throughout the years, um, to make a long story short, when he was, they had predicted um, lots of surgeries for Gage, never having a functioning bladder normally, um, a transplant by the age of six, and his creatine levels and all these different levels were remaining critical for some time and had given us not much hope for his levels to be livable without lots and lots of medication. Well, we went home with his creatine level under two, which was not supposed to happen, Mm -hmm. and he maintained that level up until this year. We would go back every two to three months and Gage's creatine levels would stay the same. Um, So many people have just taken on Gage's um, prayer, praying for him and bringing him little relics and um, medals and rosaries and all kinds of things. If they had gone to Rome, they would lay them on St. Pope John Paul's tomb. And so he has this beautiful little collection of mementos of of the Pope, and he cherishes them greatly. And uh, Gage's middle name is Patrick, so to me, that's his patron saint. But if you ask him who his patron saint is, it's St. Pope John Paul. Terry, if I can jump in real, Absolutely. just ask you to, so how many years is that, that he went without all these multi, these surgeries that the doctor said he was going to need? I mean, give From people a sense. From two to 14, two years old to 14. 12 years. 12 years of miraculous levels that were being drawn um, at six came by with how no many decline. doctor's visits do you think it was it you probably was that of doctors saying, Oh, it's still fine. Three more okay, months. I guess every, he's fine. Three every, every three, three months. months. Every three months for we twelve went, years. We have been down to Texas Children's. And I mean, just to tell you a little bit about that, um, my husband uh, couldn't take all that time off and my dear sweet friend Terry Hall, who it happens to be her birthday today. So Happy birthday, Terry. Shout out to Terry Hall. <laughs> She and I would pack up in the morning, and I'd get Lana. And um, as a matter of fact, I was—I think I was still homeschooling. I was still homeschooling Logan, and Ella. Because Logan wasn't in school yet, so it had to be Lucas and Ellie. So we would all go down to Texas Children. We'd take my van, and um, we have a lot of awesome, funny memories about us getting lost. But I mean, even Judy Como would come with me, and I—I just never liked to go by myself just fearing that was going to be the day. And um, it got kind of to where we just forgot that Gage was sick until we went to Texas Children's every three months. And I would go in there and I would just thank God for um, his illness, he being so high-functioning. I mean, Gage is an athlete. Well, and as uh, my observance of uh, being there with you, um, and going to the Texas Medical Center with other friends of mine uh, along the way. What a humbling experience it is your day to go, because certainly looking at Gage at any point in his life from that age of two till today, you would never look at him and know that he's sick in any way. And to be around the families and other children who... um you're just in the center of uh, a need and an outpour, number one, of thanksgiving for yes. him and his progress. and um, Prayer for those who are suffering and intercession so much for more. all of those. And uh, uh, along the way, I just want to 
re-emphasize and connect back to uh, our belief of the intercession, not only of uh, St. John Paul II, but uh, the many, many holy souls that we have uh, incorporated prayer uh, in our lifestyle and uh, the intercession of the holy souls for us and our job of praying for them and how we trust without a doubt their intercession or your family. Well, I know I have a uh, confession for that, though. I really do it very selfishly because I I think it's easier for me to pray for the holy souls and ask them to lift up all my children's needs and my prayers. I don't even have time, so I just always shoot it up to them. And you know, you know who needs it today. And sometimes I think, oh gosh, I didn't mention all of my children's names today, and that really makes me nervous. But like, oh no, they got this. You know. Well, and it's a great example to me. Number one, because I only have two kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit easier for uh, for me to do that. But um, so throughout these 12 years of uh, every three months, is this the visit? Is this the visit? Kind of fast forward to a couple of months ago. <clears throat> well, we had to maintain uh, a visit with um, a urologist. All this time we're seeing renal doctors and they take care of Gage's medicine. But the beautiful thing is Gage is taking one pill only three times a week after like maybe as soon what what happened was the reflux was let's go back to our miracle of the surgery. Level five reflux means a free flow and that's he did inch, eventually lose his right kidney and so his left kidney is functioning at twenty five percent. Well, normally when you're born, your body has a small kidney but a lot of live tissue, whereas you, you, you grow, you need more kidney function. Well, Gage has no live tissue around his little kidney that was only functioning 25%. So the miracle of it is that Gage grew as a two-and-a-half-year-old past six and it still had enough kidney function to play soccer, to play basketball, to kick the football for St. Joseph last year, which was such the highlight of his life so far, to be the punter, and um, just remain so healthy at his uh, with his disease. That is, you know, kidney disease is a silent disease. But you normally have high blood pressure. You normally have um, fragile bones, so you break bones. Gage has never broken a bone. He's never had high blood pressure. So all these medications that they predicted that he would be on, still to this day, Gage is not on. So when he was six, instead of getting a kidney transplant, they removed his right kidney, which posed a risk for an infection. So he was maintaining his level five reflux was totally gone in his left kidney. So he had he has not had a UTI since he was two and a half. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I think that another thing that is totally miraculous is if Gage ever got sick, I'm right. We're raising him with all these kids at home, right? He would have to go to Texas Children's. If he ran fever, we were immediately to go to Texas Children's. Well, I think when he was about 12, he ran, woke up one afternoon from a nap, and his fever was 104. So we we go right away to Texas Children's. Never registered fever again when we got there, but they took some blood and they wanted to grow some cultures and they talked about him staying there for, you know, four to five days. And it was spring break. So Gage, I remember Gage looking out the window saying, I can't stay here four days. I'm going to lose my tan. (laughs) He was more worried about his tan than he was figuring out why he was sick. We never found out what that was. So 12 years, 
a child goes to school and has only ran a temperature one time with no explainable reason is another miracle in itself. And just they wanted to start him on growth hormones. Well, as people know, the Lipscombs, my boys are six, (laughs) three, four plus. And um, we had decided to go with genetics on our side. That gauge would be a normal height for his age, which would be 50%, whereas my boys are 90 to 100 percentile. And Gage has miraculously stayed at the 50% weight and height through this whole ordeal. And as a kidney patient, that is very miraculous. So Indeed. And uh, all during <coughs> this process, as uh, Terry and their family would uh, go from one visit to the next, in the background, we... Um, you would talk about the possibility of this transplant and also the reality that someone else in your family may be God willing, the donor. And so, you know, you, the pull on your heart began. Yes, it really did. And they really encouraged us not to, um, to go there mm-hmm. until it was time. And I, I, it just really bothered me like, well, how can we can't find out now? Well, you know how God doesn't tell you the future, and, and I'm glad because once we started looking for the donor, it was very, very stressful. Um, our old, One of our sons, Blake, is Gage's godfather, and uh, he really wanted to be the donor. So he was the first to do a blood test, and they were not a match. Um, it was like a three-day wait. Gage had not been typed yet, so the blood test draw got lost at the lab or in cyberspace somewhere and it was a very stressful day for three days and that truly let me see that it was good that we hadn't started Mm -hmm. it anytime sooner well um we decided that because your age doesn't really matter with your kidney so the next one in line was my husband david and um david and gage were a perfect match blood type um, the possibility of having a, a parent gives you 50% same DNA. So you're, having a parent gives you the best chance of ca- having the kidney longer. Well, I am not a medical person. I don't Google. I don't read Dr. MD. And I just totally trusted in God. And I had not done any research. I mean, I'm just, it's kind of pitiful. Though. I'm just not a researcher. I'm there with you, my Ooh, friend. <laughs> so um, when the first when we went to our next visit, um, we had to see um, a urologist. And, you know, we really didn't have a connection with the urologist there because they kind of come and go. So God gave us a different urologist to see that morning. And it was a man, and he had a brother that plays professional football. And Gage came out of that visit just so excited about this new doctor. But he did tell us that a transplant is a treatment, not a cure. And I wished I had known that earlier because that was really hard to hear. I was thinking that, you know, a transplant and we're good. But the reality of it is your body can reject a transplant and your best chances are with a a parent. And um, when I had uh, cancer four years ago, they found a tumor in my kidney, in one of my kidneys that we thought was cancerous, which is another miracle. It was not, but it made me not a possibility of a donor. I had already been through chemo, and I just wasn't even a possibility. So David did the test, and 
lo and behold, David is the perfect match. So we have that transplant schedule. It was a lot of testing. It was very trying for David. Um, We had a few little hiccups along the way. It put us a few weeks behind. He had some blood pressure issues and some iron level issues that we had to make sure were okay. Because the thing at... um, we found out that it wasn't going to be our decision. Ultimately, we still had to trust God because if they had found something wrong with David, they could have told us, I'm sorry, he is the match, but we cannot take his kidney because in the future it could compromise David's health. And that was very hard to hear because, you know, you just want to give your life for your child. And it would have been very hard to accept if um, they had told David they couldn't. And he, he even said that that had been the hardest. That would be harder than it would be giving his kidney. I agree. And um, those of us who have been uh, walking this journey with you have, uh, we, and I guess, uh, let me back up just a moment. Um, what I had hoped for today, listeners, uh, to tell this story is I hoped to bring a message of hope. And, uh, and trust. Uh, and trust. And um, there's, I could say, I mean, there's something very special about the Lipscomb family, but this is not a um, unique experience. We can list so many people here that you and I both know uh, personally that we've come together to pray for uh, our children and our spouses and things like that. And... Um, so I, I hope that uh, as we come to the end of this program that we can send a message of hope and encouragement, uh, our opportunity to reach out to each other and support in prayer and in presence and in um, just even in our weakness that we can lean on each other and uh, give some encouragement to someone who's listening today. Um. By the grace of God, it has not been a heavy cross. I mean, it's in the back of my mind, but I don't dwell on it. And it was very easy for me to trust God by the grace of God only and by the people who praying for Gage from day one still have told us all these years we're praying for y'all. And I knew we'd been very, very covered in prayer. Uh, People from far, people from close, family, um, our dearest friends, our, our pastor, um, our school has been so supportive for Gage. Um, just It's just been a miraculous journey for us, and um, I'm thankful that I've been able to um, be surrounded by so many wonderful people who are caring for us. Uh, and I know I, I, we're going to be in Houston four to six weeks post-surgery. Um, comes with a little bit of anxiety, probably more about my children who are going to be home without me, even though they're old enough to be home without me. Um, and we should mention your uh, new grandbabies that have uh, just just born. I think they're four five, weeks yeah, old. Four five. weeks old. And, uh, you know, God really Twins. gave me. Yeah, we have twin grandsons. And my daughter, Lacey, lives in Brenham. And this has been very, very difficult for her because she's the one that is always so, so helpful for me and does everything for me and with me. And um, my, I had some illness with my parents recently. And I feel like my plate's been really thin and more trying now than I think um, it had been, but um, I just know, I, I went to adoration a few months ago, and I just, I'm always talking about St. Pope John Paul's intercession, and I was sitting in adoration, and all of a sudden, I, I felt this overwhelming um, closeness with him, 
And I was reminded by him, I'm sure, that you talk more about me than you do to me. And it just moved me so deeply to think that, you know, he's right. I, I, I can talk to him. And I know he's with us on this journey. It's just the most beautiful journey how Gage has taken on this saint. And um, the Legionnaires of Christ, particularly Father Michael Sullivan, um, encourages Gage and gives him so many um, little mementos of from the saint that has been blessed from at his um, tomb. But just the coverage of um, prayer and support, I I cannot give back enough. I, I was able to give a meal um, just yesterday, and and my daughter said, "Why are you doing that?" And I said, "How can I not? Yeah. You know, how can I not?" Right. Too much has been given; much is expected, and uh, and it's you, easy though you're a great for me. Example. Yes. Well, thank you. It comes yes. very easily, and and I, I I just I'm grateful for all the support. Um, we have a beautiful time. Um, a friend of my, a dear friend of mine, Monica Mize, started a GoFundMe project. Um, fund to help us with our medical expenses and our stay in Houston. Unbelievably um, humbled by the generosity of people, especially even those that we don't even know. Um, yes. My adult children work in town, their customers. Um, my daughter in law is in the process of right now of getting some Lipscomb, Team Lipscomb green t shirts put together for us all to wear. On the day of surgery. Yeah. Can you describe a little bit what you anticipate that day of surgery looking like? Because as I understand, David's going to be in one hospital and Gage is going to be in another. That is, uh, I was upset to hear that too. There's a little thing, you know, it's so good. I get little nuggets at that time. Okay, I got this. (laughs) Well, David's going to be at St. Luke's and Gage is going to be at Texas Children's. And the miraculousness of the surgery in 30 minutes from the time they take David's right kidney out, it will be put in Gage's left side. And in 30 minutes, that kidney will be functioning. David will only be in the hospital for two days and Gage will be 10 to 14 days. And then we're required to stay in Houston for daily blood draws so we can make sure that his anti-rejection medication is at the levels that it needs to be. Yeah, it's been a real, uh, to hear you explain it uh, to uh, Gage is going to be a, a grown-up pretty quick uh, that his responsibility, like all this checklist requirement by the hospital of his ability to take care of himself. That His the, medication. The perfect plan of the medication has to be taken at precise, precise times and things like that. So uh, Yeah, and we have, most kidney patients have taken so much medicine that this is just part of their life. But Gage takes one pill three days a week. So this is going to be a big adjustment for him. And as well as most kidney patients are very, very sick. And when they get the kidney, they feel so much better. Whereas I I think Gage is going to go like, okay, well, we're done. So now what? So (laughs) to take this medication is going to be probably his biggest adjustment. Yeah, so we uh, have just a few more minutes to finish this program. So I'd like to ask uh, our listeners, not only here in Bryony College Station, our listeners in Waco and in Palestine, to uh, lift this family up in prayer um, for, do we have a phone in, Thaddeus? Do we have a caller? 
We do have a very special caller, Terry Lipscomb. Go ahead, caller. Good morning, friends and sisters. How are you? We're doing very good. Who the heck is you know, this? this is, I still don't know how to spell your name, Judy Como. Oh, Debbie, God, what a delight to hear oh. your voice. Well, just call me whatever you want. <laughs> you I, I would love sister. for you to see that paper, Debbie, because <laughs> now that you know everybody here and you know how to spell their names. Yes. Well, well, welcome. I, I, no, I've been, well, thank you. I have been listening with tears in my eyes and just my heart beaming with joy at how this has all progressed. And obviously those listening know that these ladies have a special bond and I as well. But Judy was so right and that this is a story of hope. We all have our stories. We've all had our struggles and we've shared these struggles amongst us. And to those people who are listening, you are really not alone. You've got people here in Bryan College Station who are praying for you. And you know that there are people out there who love you who may not be able to be with you right now. And Terry and Judy have been there for each other. They've been there for me, and they've been there for so many people. And so the reason I'm calling in is just to reiterate what Judy said. Mm-hmm. You can't lose hope. You can't lose faith because you are loved. And even though you may not feel loved right now, you are loved by a lot of people. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Uh, Debbie, thank you so much for your uh, call and your kind words. And uh, it is um, a wonderful, refreshing reminder, not only the, of the love that we share for each other, but it's through God who loved us first that we are we walk by faith. And um, I'm going to we're just going to pray to the end of this show together. So uh, wherever you are, if you could join us in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and be with us. Father God, I give you thanks and praise for this day. And I thank you for the gift of faith. And we ask for an increase in faith and hope and trust in you, Lord, that we might walk through our troubles along with our joys, united with your suffering on the cross. And Mother Mary, be with Gage, be with David and Terry and the entire Lipscomb family and the community, as I know and trust that they will be a witness to all those around them at these two hospitals during this time and uh, the beauty of the love of a Christian community will come together and will be a witness to all who need to see hope in you, Lord. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. We love you, Lord, and we desire to be more like you. And we pray these words in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We ask the intercession for St. Pope John Paul II, if it be God's will to heal Gage and this transplant not even have to take place. I am still holding on to that prayer. Absolutely. Uh, Terry's transplant person that she has to contact with probably will never meet this lady, but... Even her words now are, well, if we do this transplant. Yes, I've changed her to say that, (laughs) if we do, because I keep saying we may not be doing this. You're right. That is right. Absolutely. So, Terry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your love and friendship that I could not do without. I agree. Thank you, Praise you. And thank you, listeners. And remember, when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of the world, always round up. (laughs) 